I don't get the Bible. Welcome back. <laughs> Acts chapter 3 today. Um, all right. So this chapter starts out with Peter and John going into the temple to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Um, just to start, what is the 3 o'clock prayer service? Uh, the Jews would pray, I think, four times a day. could be more. And that was just the time for that one. Mm. So you could see they're still uh, obeying the Jewish ways. Yeah, that that was my follow-up. Like, why did Peter and John feel the need to be a part of that? Like, were, was it part of the new thing that they were doing or do it? Yeah. No, um, and that's the thing. The Old Testament and the apostolic record, they, over, they overlap each other. Mm. So we're seeing the overlapping. Mm-hmm. These are Jews. Jesus has come. They don't know what to do. So the whole Spirit's fallen, but they thought, let's just keep the traditions of the fathers mm-hmm. so we don't bring the Jews into unrest. So let's go to the temple and pray. It's the third hour. It just doesn't make sense even... Like, that makes sense if you're under the fulfillment perspective. But if you're not, it's like people are so literal about what the apostles did. We'll get to that, like healings yeah. and all that stuff that people now do. Yeah. But they don't do the three o'clock prayer service. I know. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, it's just, it's pick and choose. Yeah. Truly. So a man lame from birth is brought to the beautiful gate and asked Peter and John for money. Um, do you think he knew who Peter and John were? I don't think so. But again, he could have. My opinion is I don't think so. All right. Off to a good start. (laughs) I think he was just at the temple begging for alms. Their gates of their temple had different names. This gate was called Beautiful. And he's there and Peter and John are walking to go in to pray. And here he is. Okay. And Peter said... (laughs) <laughs> the guy asked Peter and John for money and Peter said, look at us. <laughs> and uh, so I have a lot of questions throughout yeah. this one, but clearly this indicates that Peter and John were not of means. Yeah. Is that right? Probably. Is it true they have nothing? Because that's what Peter's going to say. Yeah. We. But, yeah. But I think in context, what he's saying is we have nothing we can spare to give to you. Yeah, silver or gold I do not have, but what yeah. I do have I give you. Yeah. In the name. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they it's not that they didn't have nothing. Yeah, I know. You can, but if you're a literalist, yeah. then you'd have to say they had nothing. Okay. I don't believe that. <laughs> um and So he says, I don't have money. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. So Peter and John uh, um, I, I was wondering, like, is this just Peter kind of stepping in? There was a point earlier in the earlier chapter where Peter just like did stuff like you and you mentioned this is Peter just doing the law. But now the Holy Spirit's come in. So the Holy Spirit is working. Yeah. But there was this like a prescribed part of how the Holy Spirit works yeah. is that Peter would. Yeah, people. because Jesus said, you're going to do greater miracles than I've done. And it meant greater in number mm. because, oh. because you're, it's going to be 12 of you who have the Holy Spirit and I'm only one man. 
so you'll do many wonderful works in my name. And the spirit now having been filled with them, Peter says, I don't have any money to give you, but I can give you this. And he heals the dude. Mm. Yeah. So that shows a really super abundant power of the spirit to do miracles still. Yeah, truly. Yeah. yeah. So, and then he does it in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Yeah. I would imagine that that's like a big point of discussion today or like uh, doing things near healings in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what that really means also, like in the name of something. In the name typically means uh, by his power, not actually having to do it in, in the very name, mm. but it could mean that too. But usually it means by the power of Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. That's to do it in his name. Th yeah, throughout this, like the elders ask, like, whose name did you do this in? Yeah. And that's another way of them asking, like, how did you do this? Yeah. Kind of like who gave you the yeah. power to heal? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so um, then the man gets up and is praising God very publicly. Um and I've wondered here, it says he, you know, he was walking and jumping and praising God. People saw him walking and praising God and not knowing much about the name of God. Like, what is God to, what is God to that man? Is that like Yahava? Yeah, it would be Yahava to him. And he would be saying praise Yahava. Praise Yahava, praise Yahava. Yahava is the word they would be using. He could say Yahava. He could say uh, um, Lord Almighty. He could say Elohim, just which is just the name God. Okay. But uh, by that time, they could have even lost the name Yahava. Okay. So he could have been saying Yahweh, or he could have been saying anything. But he's. It says there he's praising him. We don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, I also just took note that everything that happens in this chapter, Peter's doing, mm. not John. Mm. And like, like John's quiet, but he's always mentioned. It's like Peter and John, Peter and John, but then Peter and the apostles. Mm -hmm. What, why Peter? Because remember, he's the guy who Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to open the doors. Oh. So he's opening the new dispensation now of the spirit falling. Okay. And so he's taken the gospel to the Jews here and that. Now he's opening up the doors to the apostles doing all the healings in his name. Okay. And then he will open the door for non-Jews, Gentiles to also be part of the body, which will come later. Okay. So he kind of leads the way in a lot of stuff initially. Mm. He'll disappear from sight soon. Okay, and he, do the others have special calls on them, or are they just kind of following Peter at this moment? Uh, the thing is, they all seem to kind of just stay in the uh, uh, Israel area and reach out to those people, and I don't think they do it as a band of brothers, but we don't read how they do it. All we know is that Peter and John, in this case, went and did that. Okay, and this Acts is the only place that like this stuff is recorded. No, because you can read about Paul, he'll reference things mentioned in Acts and other letters that he writes. 
Oh, yeah. okay. So, Axe um, just kind of picks on different things and puts them in, but it's not exhaustive. Okay. And P- and Paul's records would like kind of also point to Peter being this figure. Uh, Paul only speaks of Peter a couple times mm. in one, t- once in a negative way. Hmm. Yeah. What and, does he uh, say? Uh, you're going to later on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Later, Peter, he was kind of afraid of the Jews. So when he was hanging out with non-Jews after mm. the gospel went to non-Jews, he would eat all their stuff, ham, pig, lobster, whatever they were eating. But when the Jews showed the leaders showed up, he would distance himself from that and he would only eat kosher mo- uh, food with the Jews. Wow. And Paul confronts him publicly. Oh my god. And we'll read about it. Paul says, "Hey Peter, what, you know?" Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Um all right. So Sorry, one minute. He says So Peter's healing this man and he says Silver to gold. other people no, he's he's he takes the opportunity at this point to speak to the crowd. And um, he says, why does this surprise you to see this man walking? Um, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that did this. Uh, the one that sent Jesus, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. Um, you like just uh, clearly putting the blame on these people. You killed the author. Um, And then by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It's in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. Um, I'm wondering, well, there's a couple questions. A basic one is he calls Jesus a servant. And I was wondering if Jesus is usually called a servant. Is is that a common name for him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, servant. A servant of God, of Yahweh. Servant of man. Of man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. God God himself, servant of man. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, God himself in flesh is the servant of man. Hmm. And, and the, okay, so, and he continues, you know, blaming them, saying you guys killed him and, and now God still raised him from the dead anyway. And Peter said that Jesus is what heals this man. Um, but the man himself never said anything about Jesus. I, so Peter's saying it's faith in Jesus that healed this man, but it's really Peter's faith in Jesus. That's right. That healed That's a man. good catch. Yeah. We never, we never see the man. He didn't say anything. No. no. Yeah. Except give me money. Yeah. That's all he said. And if you're able to pick those things out, you can see that the grace of God operates, whether or not we are participating Mm. in that. And that's how the great news is better than the good news. Mm. It's given to the whole world now. Yeah. For them, uh, prior, it was given for those who believe. But you'll notice that Peter uses Jesus' name Mm -hmm. to bring it in for that man to understand who did it. Who the, how that miracle was done, mm. but the man never says it, mm-hmm. you know, but how would the man's life change when people would come back later and say, do you believe in Jesus? 
Well, all I can say uh, is I can walk now. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. But do you think it's like required by someone else? Like, you know, Peter is like a vehicle for Jesus to get to that man, sort of. Do you think that that's. Yes, absolutely. That another person bringing yeah. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we do now with our lives or with our words. We do the same thing. We just mm -hmm. glorify what God has done through his son. We say now a lot of Christians will take that as Jesus name is magical. There's just they sing and there's just something about that name mm -hmm. and it's Jesus. But that's not his freaking name. Mm -hmm. So if you're using a name that's been created and you think that has the power, I just don't get it. Why the name bit the focus on it? It's not that. It's his power. It's his person, what he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, sorry, just to be clear, it's not that Jesus, like, heals or, you know, give, I, I don't want to say gives grace because it seems like he obviously gives grace, but heals someone like the lame man on his own. It requires a person that Jesus is already in. To sort of, you know, it requires another person to like bring Jesus to the next person. Would you say? Uh, no, you know because I'm not sure, but I think I, I'm going to answer what I think you're saying, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think it's required for another person to teach another person about Jesus for them to know Him. Mm. Uh, but I do think the a person will ultimately have to come and face-to-face -face with the facts about him, mm -hmm. and then their, what, what he's done in their life will be matched by the facts. Mm -hmm. So you could have a Muslim who is under uh, the Koran, who is full of the Spirit of God and is loving. It's all because of the work of Yeshua, mm -hmm. but he doesn't know that. He will find that out, and then all praise and honor and glory would go to him. Mm -hmm. But the victory over the world through Yeshua doesn't necessitate that you have to know him. Mm -hmm. That will come later. Most Christians go by the religious stance, no, you have to know him in order to receive him. Mm -hmm. I say that's the work of the Spirit. The work mm -hmm. of the Spirit is to get the heart to know him. If you're involved in that by speaking, fine. If not... There's plenty of stories of people who came to know God without anybody being involved, you know? So it's, it's, it's almost like you can't box God in. Mm -hmm. Don't even try. You know, I think we share the best we can. If someone hooks into it, fine. But I think he operates outside of it too. And you, do, do you think that you especially think that because of your journey where like you knew like your heart for God was enough in days where you were doing, you know, antagonistic Mormon work or mm -hmm. like thought the Trinity was super valid or mm -hmm. all those things. All and the whole like, time. You're like, you're saying this now because you in that time when you had the facts wrong, were still good in God's eyes. Yeah, and that's my argument against everybody who thinks the doctrine is what makes you right before God. Mm -hmm. That's why I say doctrine doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Because I was touched by that roadside experience, believing God was once a man, mm -hmm. believing Jesus was my elder brother with Satan. I didn't have any knowledge of it. 
So it was God touching my heart because he knew I was searching honestly for him. So when people say, you got to say Jesus' name in order to get the power, I just shut up. He, he's bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, and, um, oh my gosh, I lost it. He's bigger than that. Saying his name. Having to know all the oh, facts. Yeah, but there's still something in you that wants to know correct from incorrect sure. and that his name's Yahweh and not well Yahweh. I've learned that in time, but I was calling him Yahweh and Jehovah for 20 years uh, well I'm just trying to specify like what is it Do we talked about this before but doctrine doesn't matter but we continue to pursue doctrine and right. like grow in knowledge right. that doesn't really matter do you know what I mean? No, because in the end, we weren't saved by our knowledge first. We were saved by God touching our heart because we pursued mm -hmm. him from the heart. Mm -hmm. We didn't have knowledge. I didn't have knowledge of him, of the true God, before he gave me a salvific moment in the name of his son. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I was under the Mormon impression. of, But as I've stayed in the faith, I've grown and, and the woods have become cleared mm -hmm. of everything and i've seen more and more and the scripture talks about that growing and you'll lose the old stuff yeah but but missionaries in the christian faith want you to want you to have all this information mm -hmm. before they say okay you know him so so the real point is that we are growing in knowledge because that's just better like it's not going to save you. It's not giving you like maybe the only hole I see in this is that the knowledge under in our understanding, the knowledge leads to greater love, greater love leads to more rewards. Well, greater so, uh, uh, love uh, lends to more of a relationship. It's just like when you marry somebody, you don't know them perfectly when you start off. As you go on, you learn more about them and you grow in the depth of that love toward that person. Mm -hmm. So the immediate stuff isn't always even right. You could fall in love with somebody and you think they're one way, but over time you really realize who they are for better or for worse, no pun mm -hmm. intended. So it's kind of similar, you know, but I just do not believe that when it comes to people knowing God that they have to have all their eyes dotted and T's crossed before he says, okay, now, now you know me. No. Okay. So like the most staunch of Calvinists is fine. Sure. In God's eyes. Sure. Because in, doctrines, but, but if his heart isn't right and he's a religionist before he is a God yeah. from the heart, you got a problem. Okay. Yeah. And that's like the, the incentive to speak with people like this or like call out how they have it wrong is what a means to liberate them from the bondage that they're in okay yeah because that's what jesus came to do point blank he came to do that we need to do that in his name mm -hmm. and so i don't pull back in sounding like i mean or something mm -hmm. when i speak the truth because you'll have freedom if you understand what god has done okay and i'm not trying to make it uh liberty for them to go and i'm not trying to put them under rules mm -hmm. i'm trying to show that 
you can be free of these things. How do you tell if the doctrine the Calvinist has, the Mormon has, the Catholic has, is really true and right? Mm -hmm. It lends to real, true love. Mm -hmm. If it's not there, then there's something wrong in the mix, okay? And real, true love is not proud, it's humble. So you look at the LDS, they're very proud with their wealth and their progress, I wonder about it. Real love does not come across angrily or punitive or judgmental or mean. I look at the Calvinists and I see what their body of doctrine does to most of their hearts. Mm -hmm. And because they're legalist, I say that isn't producing the kind of thing that the scripture says we need to have. Mm -hmm. And so then I can go to a Buddhist who claims to, and he does, or she does love in that way. I'll say that's Christ in them. Mm -hmm. They just don't know it yet. You see the approach, how it's different from religion, standard religious practices? Yeah, I definitely see the approach. I'm just trying to, yeah, pin down, like, why even have the discussion? And it's because it's really just for them. It's, yeah. for, it's for them to have a better life, literally yeah. a better life. And you have to take it in stages and steps that are responsible. Mm -hmm. And and I've learned that you don't just walk up to a Calvinist and throw a bunch of stuff that they're not going to understand. Mm -hmm. And then they'll hate you. And so that's a war. Mm -hmm. So it's relationships with those people. It's not the missional outreach to go out and share the gospel, yeah. because that alienates people right yeah. off the bat. And that and the difference is that people that are out on missions are literally trying to, it's like afterlife versus this life. They're trying to save their afterlife and you're trying to save this life. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that's the difference? Like their afterlife is not the concern no. of your discussion with them. No. Well, they're getting in the afterlife what they want in my estimation. Mm -hmm. If they want an afterlife that has some kind of connection to God with a relationship, then they'll pursue and try to seek out what will is the truth of that afterlife. Mm -hmm. But if they want liberty in this life, um, yeah, I would talk to them about what Christ does, what he's done to bring that liberty. Yeah. No more religion, no more law, no more any of that. So like one of the main things that I feel like I hear from people is that, or I don't know, not main, but one of the things is that there's a limit to how much we should pursue knowledge. Like there comes a point where it's, insanity or you know like inconsequential like if the relationship I'm just pointing out that that's um, that's only the case if it doesn't isn't leading to love yeah I mean knowledge in and of itself is useless it's just not in by itself without a reason for it is useless. So I would agree with that. Okay. And if you just pursue knowledge for knowledge sake, knowledge has to be equipped with faith and then also the wisdom on how to apply the knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that is how you take the knowledge you've gained, even if it's increasing and you apply it in greater and greater ways of love, mm -hmm. greater and greater ways of love. Yeah. So the more you learn, the more you are empowered to love as he wants you to. That's why we gain it, because we learn more about what his ways are and we see that our ways are faulty. Mm. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I just wanted to say something. You notice that Peter says to the 
the guy, he introduces God as the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You would think all the Jews know that he's that God. Mm -hmm. But by the time Jesus and John the Baptist got on earth and started this ministry here, the Jews had pretty much lost contact with who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what they were really about, how they worked with that nation, what his name was, and and how they were bringing back who he was and getting rid of the law. Because by the time those two, Peter and John, show up, they were worshiping the law. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it was about. Oh yeah, I would have definitely assumed that was like, Peter saying, this is your God, like making it, like aligning it with something they yeah. knew. Yeah, but, just like, hey, hey, yeah. you guys, remember? It's, I really believe it's more of, hey, you have lost. Mm. And that's why Jesus has such limited uh, patience with the religious leaders. Mm-hmm. It's because they were leading them astray. And he said, they didn't care about them. They wanted to fleece them. They wanted to put them under bondage. They wanted to teach them their traditions mm-hmm. and to make them worship the law like they did. And Jesus came and he's saying no. And so that's why they wanted him dead. That reminds me of a question I had earlier when you mentioned Jesus, like Jesus, I didn't, I've never thought about it in this way, but he was really speaking to people like in this same way about their life there. Like he had, he was there to just take care of all of their sin. So him pointing out their sin was for no other reason, but like you're in bondage. Yeah. It wasn't like to help them be saved. No, it was always to liberate them with what he would do for them. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause yeah, there's been a, I'm realizing there's been a question in my mind of like Jesus and the amount that he did and said felt like really limited. And it was only like a few people heard it and saw it. Yeah. And now we're relying. And that's the anxiety of Christians today is that it's only written in the Bible. And we have to be, if you haven't read the Bible, we have to be the ones to tell people what Jesus said. And like he himself wasn't even anxious about that. So clearly it wasn't. No. It's either that it wasn't the priority. The priority is that he came and saved everybody. And this is like a, a, part of growing in him Mm -hmm. or it or the holy spirit was going to make everybody know it in some way or another and and that latter is the reality because all your screaming and shouting isn't going to bring anybody to him if the spirit isn't Mm -hmm. the one that is doing it and it's it's both it's earlier too sure he he right well in that day it was yeah because the nation had to hear the word of the Messiah had arrived in order to receive it, repent, Mm. change their ways. But outside of them, there is none of that. For Gentiles, Mm. we don't have that. Mm. So it's the spirit that is moving through the world now and reaching people. Mm. But it helps when we share. We do it because we're told to. Okay, yeah. Should we? We're at 27 minutes. Yeah, let me finish the three minutes with this. We're at 30 minute episodes. They really focused on obeying the law. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus, why, why aren't your disciples washing their hands? You know, you're this, you're this all about the law. And we've learned why God gave the law. 
it was given to them after they broke the first commandment, which was, I am the Lord thy God, have no other gods. They broke that. So then God said, okay, I'm going to give you a bunch of rules that will lead you to, when you're breaking them, we'll show you, hey, I'm messing up. Come back to the first commandment. I'm God, right? If you look at King David, and I've talked about this before, King David, who the Jews loved, who Jesus came in the line of, he took their ark, which was supposed to be, only be in the tabernacle, and he put it in his yard. That was not allowable, according to the law. David took a census of the people. God said, don't count the people. David counted the people. Mm -hmm. And he got punished for it, but he did it. Mm -hmm. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, another man's wife. And that other man's name was Uriah. And he was so faithful to David that when David pulled him off the, out of the army in the battle, Uriah said, I can't be with my wife while my men are out there warring, I'm going to sleep on David's porch until he puts me back into battle. That's how faithful Uriah was. David had him killed so he could take Bathsheba. Mm. Do you know what God says of David? He's a man after my own heart. Was he a breaker of the law? He was. Everybody breaks the law. God knows we can't keep it. But do you have a heart that says, I won't have any other gods? And David never had another god. You see, and that's what the nation had lost. They forgot about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they embraced the law as what justified them before God. Mm -hmm. It never could justify them, you know, but trusting in him as their God could. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to wrap it up with that. For people who get all wrapped up about the law and obeying it and be righteous and good and holy, mm -hmm. you can't do it. That's why Jesus came. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thanks. We'll keep going with chapter three in the next one. All right. Bye.